Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of Inside Texas and On 3. And guys, it's week zero in college football, high school football in the state of Texas started last night officially. So much going on. Uh, before I give it to you guys, though, I want to tell everybody we're going to have former Texas wide receiver Jackson Shipley joining us this morning here in just a little bit. And we're going to let a couple of y'all out there ask him questions. So be sure to get those in. And then, of course, your questions for Bobby and Jerry as well. We'll get to all of those. Uh, but let's start. Jerry, you had a, a note late last night, an injury update on Maurice Blackwell. What are you hearing on him? Yeah, I think uh, the, actually it started with his mom made a Facebook post publicly uh, that Maurice had uh, an AC, uh, MP, uh, sorry MCL injury. And then he was going to be out two to four weeks. Um, so obviously, uh, we followed up on that. Um, that's not something that uh, somebody said. Wake up, Jerry! I'm trying. Um, uh, so, so that's not that's something. Obviously, we had to follow up on and report on that uh, to do our jobs correctly. And um, we, you know, we followed up, and the uh, university confirmed that he was going to be out a few weeks um, with that knee injury. When he's expected back, we don't really have the timeline for that right now. Um, but, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, depends on what grade those injuries are obviously. And we're not privy to that information, Bobby. Hey, Hey, Jerry, the thing that I had to ask you about this, and, and we talked about it last night when it occurred, he was, he was battling David Benda for the starting will linebacker spot. Benda had, it looks like he's taken that spot at this point. So it's a little bit of a setback in that regard, but really you brought up something to me that may be bigger than his, his loss at linebacker. And that's special teams. Yeah, a very good special teams player. Uh, one of the very top handful of guys on the Texas roster in, in terms of special teams. So, look, whether you're playing 20 snaps as a backup linebacker or 40 snaps as a starting backer, also that ability to rush off the edge in special teams. Look, I mean, that's he's a, he's a good player. He's a quality player for Texas, but uh, Texas does have depth. Um and it, injuries are part of the game. I hate to use the cliche, but Texas had a pretty good run here in fall camp and, until that point. <clears throat> okay, so the other thing I want to talk about this morning, to get Bobby riled up <laughs> right from the get-go. Uh, so we talked about Brett, your, your, your Mark's comments the other day, um, but it, that got all the headlines. But Joey McGuire also had something to say. And he said, quote, these so-called blue bloods, and I really question that, one of them is really good in Olympic sports, end quotes. Bobby, I'm just going to let you take it away. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think it, I think Jerry's probably right. We talked before this. Jerry thinks he's angling ultimately for the A&M or OU job. How's that feel, Tech fans? That's that's what I think. I, I got to think that he's trying to, to angle for that eventually. Look, I mean, here's what's interesting to me. Texas Tech beat Texas in overtime in Lubbock last year. The year before that, Texas went five and seven and put 70 up on Texas Tech. I, I don't know what they're crowing about. It's kind of just, I mean, whatever. I, I, I don't know what to say there. Uh, but, you know, so be it for Joey McGuire. He's got he's to uh, do what he can to, to get people riled up in Lubbock. My opinion of that is that, you know, he may have just sealed his fate in Austin. And, <laughs> Thanksgiving Day plus one, because I I can't imagine Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian, the players, they see something like that from Brett Yormark, the conference commissioner, and they just go, oh, par for the course. The, 
conference commissioner. He's not who we're playing. But they see a comment like that from the opposing head coach. Come on. Hey, look, jo- Do Joe, more of it, Joey, please. Joey actually That's what brought, I would say. Your, your mark actually brought Texas and OU fans together for the first time ever. <laughs> Joey had to split that again, okay? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. That that that's not the hill you want to climb. <laughs> oh, I, I love it because I look my my take on this, and I, I was at the Dallas Texas X's last night, and uh, the 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 take on that for me is they can't be. Why do you want to poke the bear? Like Texas doesn't mean, need to be poking at Alabama right now with subtle jabs or anything like that. Tech has no reason to try to poke the bear. Brett Yormark has no reason to do that. The only reason is because they're, I think they're dumb. So, you know, it, it just uh, provides, uh, you know, fodder for the enemy. And, and Texas in this case is the enemy and more power to them. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine Texas would be flat for any reason right now uh, as it relates to uh, going out and playing Texas Tech. That being said, focus on Rice. Alabama, Wyoming to start the season. That's that's really got to be the the focal point from here on. Definitely, and only eight days away, Bobby. Can you believe it? We are. I, I'm ready, man. Just the old savior worthy number. <laughs> hey, hey, but by the way, is eight days away. The other thing I want to mention to, to folks: uh, Inside Texas reporting yesterday afternoon uh, that Gavin Holmes, the transfer from Wake Forest. Uh, is making a late move in the secondary. And, you know, talking to Eric, who did the reporting on it, uh, uh, Holmes is pushing Terrence Brooks for the starting field corner. Apparently, he's had the best week of practice uh, that maybe of any corner on the team in the last week and is able to, because of his speed, stay more downfield with those guys like Xavier Worthy in the open field, Isaiah Nayor, et cetera that have that long speed that that will help allow Jaron Thompson and Jalen Catalan to play closer to the line of scrimmage. That could be something that we watch as a final position battle uh, before uh, fall camp is done. Hey guys, I just wanted to say, y'all probably saw me jump on the phone, got a call on Dominic McKinley. Um, so I need to j- take that call. Um, Gonna have an announcement. Probably gonna he's gonna have the hats on the table for his announcement Friday. Um, kind of word after the scrimmage last night. It sounds like Texas, Texas A and M, maybe Ohio State. Um, you know, are 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 the top three there? We'll see though, right? I don't want you to take this as one hundred percent and run the message boards and say it. But uh, look, we'll see what happens next Friday. But Texas continues to be mentioned in the group you want to be, and that's one of the two that is likely where the decision is likely going to come from. That's the five-star defensive tackle out of Lafayette. Yes. Okay. Katie and who they play against Melvin Hills on Friday, the first Texas commitment, Melvin Hills. All right, guys. Well, we, uh, we have a little time here before uh, Jackson comes on. So we can go ahead and take a couple of questions. Don't forget to get those questions in, hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we talked about Blackwell being out. So let's just go straight to this question right here from Ewers Barber. He says, Hookham from Columbus, Ohio. How much of Anthony Hill will we see with Blackwell being out? I definitely think it puts him forward in the in the process, right? The snaps that may have gone to Hill early or may have gone to Blackwell early now may go to Anthony Hill instead. 
so uh, it also is interesting because I think this may mess with their nickel defense a little bit in that if they were ever going to take uh, uh, an Ethan Burke off and put Maurice and put Anthony Hill at edge and keep uh, Maurice Blackwell at will and take David Benda off, it may mess with that package a little bit too, guys. Um, so it, it, it gives more more reps to Anthony Hill, but not necessarily in the package that we initially thought we might see. Agree. Okay, we got a, a couple of McKinley questions, Jerry. Why you? <laughs> <laughs> so this first one here from Jerry's GPS. He says, "Jerry, are we going to be there on announcement day? I'm asking for a friend." Well, uh, on three, uh, one of the national uh, guys, Sam Spiegelman, was already planning to be there, so he he's going to be there. On Friday the first, I mean, says he's going to be there covering it. Um, no, no need for us to have everybody to be there. Let's say because there's still not, still not really a set time yet, and how everything's going to happen. He thought about just doing a tweet at some point. Now I guess he'll have a small announcement at the school, uh, but I don't think it's going to be anything big. But Sam Spiegelman will be there. And then one more from Michael Gresser. He, he says, Jerry, I see a lot of LSU recruiting analysts saying that they don't think McKinley's picking LSU, which I know you touched on this. Can we celebrate yet? <laughs> I mean, no. Um, <laughs> no, because LSU's been playing from behind in this recruitment for a while. They didn't get a June official visit. They got the July 20, what, 7th uh, unofficial visit with Dominic, his mom and brother Darius. Uh, but no, I mean, look, closer to home has come into play as I, as I reported inside Texas and here after being at a K, a Kadiana high Tuesday afternoon. Um, but no, you can't, no, you can't celebrate yet. Now I'll tell you that A&M is, uh, they're, they're in it as well. Um, there's communication going on with both schools plus Ohio state. Larry Johnson has, uh, the Buckeyes in it. Although I just think far, that'd be a, that'd be a tough one. That's a long way away from home. Uh, so it could come down to an old uh, old rivalry for a kid in Louisiana. We'll see if it if anything shakes shakes or changes here in the next four or five days. All right, guys. Well, we are about to bring Jackson Shipley on, but before we do that, I need to tell everybody about our sponsor today. And today is Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You just pick two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. All you have to do is go to prizepicks.com slash on Texas. Use promo code on Texas for a first deposit match up to $100. Players like myself can choose from a vast selection of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else. They can even pick in-game projections after a game has started, which includes halves, quarters, periods, and more. So, for example, at halftime, players can make a pick on Patrick Mahomes passing yards for the second half. They also offer projections on any sport that you watch, including college football, and it adds a ton of excitement to the ex experience, which is why I personally love it. So just go to prizepicks.com slash on Texas, use promo code on Texas for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash on Texas, promo code on Texas. And we want I, to thank I, them for sponsoring us. Hey, Blake, I really like them. I, 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 they, they sponsored with us last year a little bit as well. And I tell you what, uh, the interesting thing about them is all you have to do is pick two players in daily fantasy, and it's an, you can go above or below what they might, what you think they might do, and it's all kinds of sports, not just football. Uh, although that's my personal favorite as well. 
All right, guys. Well, he is here. I'm going to bring him on. Everybody, welcome Jackson Shipley, former Texas wide receiver Jackson Shipley, who was third in all-time receptions, sixth in receiving yards. And Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited. <laughs> hey, hey, Jackson. I, I don't look. These all these people are going to get their their receiving questions in. I got a Good. better question. What is it? How does it feel to leave college football with a quarterback rating of like 450? <laughs> Three touchdowns, no uh, interceptions. I mean, the highest quarterback rating in Texas history. How about that? You know what's funny is when I was in high school, my dad was my coach. And uh, I had, uh, I think I threw three passes in high school and they were all like out of a wildcat position or, uh, or taking a reverse and throwing it. And I think I threw two interceptions and, uh, and one completion. So it's funny, funny story. I actually had, uh, had, uh, when I was getting recruited, coach Harson, um, he had just taken over the offensive coordinator job and I guess he was making his rounds, calling all of his recruits and, you know, trying to get familiar with everybody. And uh, I got this number. I, I got called from this number that I, I didn't know what it was when I was a senior in high school. So I answered it. And the first thing he said was, you ready to throw some touchdown passes? And I, said, I said, who in the world is this? <laughs> and uh, anyways, for whatever reason, he always, uh, you know, I don't know if it was, uh, I don't know why he allowed me to do that. But what ended up happening was uh, ended up kind of having some tryout stuff amongst the receivers my freshman year and um i turned the corner and ended up having a lot better rating than i did in high school and had some fun with it <laughs> i'll never forget the the play the the you guys after coach royal passed came out in the wishbone out of yeah. your own in out of your own end zone and you were part of that play you were the throwback guy right right uh that was just uh that was one of the nicer most uh, interesting plays of all time you also mentioned your father bob uh, old coach, he's a friend of mine, somebody I've known for, I mean, goodness gracious, too long. Um, I think you were a baby when I first met your dad. I'll put it that way. Um, but uh, I, I will say this, Jackson, uh, you, Jordan, you guys don't, the, the apple does not fall far from the tree uh, with you guys. And uh, you're a great representative of the university. I had a question. What are you guys doing these days? I want to give your, your company a shout out because I know your dad left coaching to go in and do this. Uh, let's give let's give them a, right. a, a little tip of the cap, if you don't mind. Yeah. So what we do is we have a farm and ranch brokerage in Texas. And so we help people buy and sell land. Uh, my brother and I are stationed more or less out of the hill country here. And then my dad is in the big country area out in the Abilene area. And uh, what we what we do is we basically do any anything from the ins and outs of, of buying and selling land. Um, it's been a blast to get to work with them. Uh, I don't get to work as, as often with my dad day to day, uh, but I work with my brother every single day. And uh, my brother's probably my best friend and somebody that I've always looked up to since I was a kid um, has always been somebody that is, uh, has the, probably the highest integrity and character of anybody on the face of the earth that I know. And uh, so it's been a pleasure to get to, you know, be his brother, but then also get to work alongside him and just see the way that he carries himself and um, get to join him on that journey. Hey, Jackson, we got a couple of questions from some fans that we wanted to ask you. Um, okay. And Colton here. Thank you, Colton. He says, Jackson, was it more difficult going against a press corner who could reroute you at the line of scrimmage or an off-man corner who can mirror your route downfield? 
Uh, right off the bat, mirroring the mirroring uh, issues is really more or less a, a non-issue. That's not very hard to go against when you have a guy that's mirroring you. It's a lot harder when you have a guy that's uh, playing a lot more heavy and that is kind of in your face and is giving you pressure and is putting hands on at the line of scrimmage. Um, because what you've got to do is you've got to you've got to move that guy laterally at the line of scrimmage. Um, you've got to use your feet. You've got to use your shoulders to get him to step one way or the other and then use your hands to combat him. Uh, so some, sometimes you'll have guys that will lunge at you at the line of scrimmage, be very aggressive corners, and those guys tend to be a lot harder to go against than a mirror corner. Um, I will say one of the other hardest types of corners or, or safeties coming down and playing over the top of a slot receiver is, um, is what they call – it's they're playing basically off coverage, but they are uh, they're sitting their feet in the ground and they're just waiting on you to get there. And uh, it's it's called catch man is what they call it. And so it's pretty difficult because you've got to you know you got to eat up that space between you and that defender. But then he's not just backing up and mirroring you at that point. He's stopping and trying to get hands on. So you've got to be really good uh, with your feet. You got to be really good with your body control and moving that guy laterally up the line of scrimmage. And um, and creating space in an area where you don't have a whole lot of space to to do that. Damn, that's an in-depth answer. That's <laughs> a great sure. way. Now, this is why. This is why. Hey guys, let's be clear. This is why we have people like Jackson and Rod Babers on, right? So they can they can cut through the morass of oh this or that. I mean, great great stuff. Hey Jackson, before we get to that next question, what what is your I mean, it's interesting? What's your fondest memory of your time at Texas football? Um, I would say two memories. Uh, one would be when we beat Oklahoma my junior year. I grew up watching the Longhorns from the time I was a little kid. Um, I really was a huge fan of the Longhorns, even before my brother ever went there. And uh, I remember being in probably second or third grade, and my brother was uh, – a lot of people don't know this. I mean, when I, when I uh, was in fifth grade, my brother graduated high school. So he was a lot older than what most people think, but um, he was trying to decide between Texas and Texas Tech. And I, I had always loved the horns just being from the Burnett area. Um, but anyways, just watch Texas, you know, in the in that rivalry every year with Texas and OU and just love the atmosphere, um, loved everything about that game. And so being able to uh, to get that win my junior year after facing some pretty uh, devastating losses my freshman and sophomore year was a was really rewarding to be a part of and uh, just kind of felt like what what I came to the university to experience and uh, what I grew up watching that's one and then another one uh, just was a several more or two more actually one Oklahoma State we, we beat them our sophomore year and uh, kind of had a, a game-winning drive going down the field and then West Virginia also my junior year Casey McCool was playing quarterback and um, kind of just had some really tough situations there throughout that game, tough environments and, and to come through with a victory in a hostile environment is, is extremely rewarding when uh, your backs are up against the wall. I can't believe you didn't mention the last game against A&M. Well, A&M, <laughs> you know, that, that's true. That's probably, that's probably number one. <laughs> hey, that's part of your the, quarterback rating in that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that one, that one there, uh, I think it, in my mind, it, it feels a little weird because I was injured that game. I'd just come off of having an MCL injury in my first game back. And, and I had a, what felt like a cage over my knee, uh, big old knee brace and, I felt like in pregame warmups that somebody was stabbing me with a knife in the side of my knee, just trying to get warmed up. So in my mind, that feels like I wasn't really, uh, 
you know, a hundred percent going into that game, but, but it was one of those memories and experiences that I, that I will never forget. And I do remember the, uh, we stepped on the field for the first drive of the game. And, um, I remember Case McCoy was trying to give us the play and it was so loud in there that I couldn't, you couldn't hear anything. And he was having to go around from person to person in the huddle and yell in their ear hole to tell them what the play was. <laughs> wow. What did you, what was your reaction when, uh, Justin Tucker hit the kick. Clutch. I mean, I wasn't surprised. I knew he would. <laughs> I was fired up. Oh, man. Well, you talked about your brother. We have another question here for you uh, from Boomer Beats. He said, who had better hands, you or Jordan? You'll have to ask Jordan that. <laughs> I, would say, I would say him and he would say me. Oh, that's nice. That's that is nice. nice. <laughs> And then we got one more. Or maybe, for you. maybe you could ask my dad that. I don't know. <laughs> there, you there you go. PJ Irwin says, "Who did you hate seeing lined up across you from or across from you the most, both in practice and from an opponent?" Uh, well, the thing I think about when I th- when I think uh, hate, I think it's uh, more or less. Um, I don't know that I would hate it. It's more of a challenge, if you will. Somebody that that to me was really fun to line up against. Two two guys in particular. Kenny Vaccaro, that was from my hometown of Brownwood, um, he was just vicious out there, was ultra competitive, as was I, and going against him every day throughout the spring, um, going against him, you know, with the ones all throughout the season and him lined up against me in the slot, it, it just made me a lot better player. And, uh, you know, could could be one of those things where I could hate seeing him there, but at the same time, I like to see all of those situations, anything that could be challenging as, as an opportunity. And that was something that I always just enjoyed and, and thrived on was feeling like my back was against the wall and feeling like, um, you know, whether some people may call it pressure or whatever, but I, I loved that because it meant that the reward was much higher. Hey, I have a question for you. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, Jackson, has a offensive, a, a nice offense. I think we, we probably all agree with that. It's a receiver-friendly offense. And you're a receiver. What do, what do you see in it? that you like and are interested to see how Texas does with more weapons with Sark having now more weapons at his disposal, perhaps in years past. Yeah. I mean, I think it's extremely exciting, especially as a former player, a former receiver uh, to see, to see everything that coach Sark and his staff are doing as, as far as just building, building it, building out a complete team all the way across the board. I think when you look at the roster right now, it has most Texas fans more excited than they've been in, in probably a decade or more. Um, I think we've got more stacked receivers right now than than we've had, and since I can remember, and um, my dad in there. <laughs> Your dad's in the comments. Hey, I just called you yesterday. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But I, I think it's one of those things where you look at you look at the talent across the board, and you think, man, surely, surely these guys are just going to light it up. And uh, you know, when you have guys that you can put really anywhere. Um, you've got guys that have different strengths and skill sets across the board. You've got guys like Xavier Worthy that can take the top off deep, um, but he can also run a lot of the intermediate routes and and is very very sharp and precise with that. You've got Whittington that can you know run the middle of the field and and be a great third down guy, very clutch guy. Um, you got Ad Mitchell, who's a guy that I'm excited to to get to look at and you know watch some of his stuff. Uh, I've got a seven year old boy now and a four year old boy, so we watch a lot of football highlights, and that's one that we've been watching lately. It's just Georgia highlights, just getting excited about the season and 
I think he's going to be a great compliment to those guys. Naylor is going to be a great guy. Um, I think Cooks is going to be outstanding. I mean, the more I'm even thinking about these guys, it's pretty unbelievable to think about. These are all extremely high-level, talented guys, and we're not talking about just, you know, trying to fill a role there. We're talking about elite players that can play anywhere across the country. Yeah, yeah, they're capable, right? I mean, you you know this. I mean, we've we've all followed college football. You're a college football fan, clearly, not just a former player, right? And and you see guys that actually, you know, that that are going to be probably playing in the NFL, right? And that's that's sure. a, a big deal. You add JT Sanders to that mix, right? And all of a sudden, you've got guys running up and down the field that that are all going to be tough to do it. Uh, yeah. Blake, Jerry, you guys have any more questions for Jackson before we let him go? Jerry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I have one that's from uh, the comments, and I, I would love to hear your opinion on this, Jackson. How good would David Ash have been had he not had the concussion issues? A couple of people have asked that because I have a, I feel like Texas fans never really got to see him maximize his talent at Texas. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's really unfortunate when you when you look back and. You see kind of uh, the way his career panned out, because I will say, I mean, I've, I've caught passes from a lot of guys, um, a lot of guys and co play college football. A lot of guys that played in the NFL, play with Carson Palmer, um, have thrown with, you know, I'll just uh, a ton of guys running routes. And uh, I, I would say I'd be hard pressed to find another uh thrower of the football than David Ash. Um, never seen anybody with a tighter spiral. Um, never seen anybody that can place the ball um, more accurately. And, you know, when you look at what injuries can do to derail a career, it's, it's really sad. I think that's the, that's the worst part about this sport is that it is so violent. And, you know, you are somewhat taking a risk when you step out on that field. And a lot of guys, they obviously understand the risk factor when they're stepping onto the field. It is the greatest sport in the world, I think, and, and for so many reasons. And I think a lot of fans can, that's why it's so popular is, you know, you can really get into the game. You can learn the sport. And the more you learn about it, the more interesting it is, the more in-depth it can be. And David was one of those guys that um, he showed flashes of just elite quarterback play. And there's so much that goes into the position also outside of just being able to throw a football. And um, I think that a lot of people have seen that with many different quarterbacks over the years that have been successful that maybe didn't didn't necessarily throw the greatest ball in the world, but but um, we're able to kind of have some of the intangibles and all that. But I guess to make a long story short, I said, uh, I mean, I would basically say I think that David could have been one of the best uh, that, you know, would have ever gone down at the University of Texas. If we're talking about from a pure passing skill set, um, I, I don't know if there's any, been anyone uh, better in recent years other than, you know, Vince Young and Colt McCoy that, from, a, from a throwing standpoint uh, that could give him a run for his money. But, again, that's not all that, that – that position is there's so much more to it there's a leadership aspect to it uh being able to rally guys around knowing everyone's position being able to make pre-step reads on the defense um watching film and knowing what's you know how these guys are lining up and what to expect how to how to move a safety with your eyes uh, just the timing and anticipation throws there's so much that goes into it but if we're talking about from a pure passer standpoint uh he's probably one of the very best i've ever seen that's interesting jerry that's a great question because you know what guys is that's what Quinn Ewers has to prove this year, right? Yep. It's like, you, you know, he has all the tools, right? But can he mix it all together to make a, a great player? Hey, Jackson, before we let you go, we want you to, to be able to say, uh, talk about you and your, your brothers and your dad's company 
a little bit further, let people know how they can reach out to you uh, as well. And we certainly, as the three of us, we appreciate you guys. I yeah. uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, from Longhorn Nation, thanks a bunch for everything. But go ahead and tell folks. Absolutely. Uh, no, I, I, I think I think uh, we all, my, my dad, my brother and I, we all bleed, burn orange. We always have. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've got my kids. I'm already, we're already uh, knee deep in this thing with them getting excited about the horns um, every year. So uh, just to be able to go through the program and, and to be able to be close by still and to be able to really have, have close ties with my dad, having been on the staff there and my brother and I playing there um, just means so much to me. have a lot of great memories there with my family growing up, my mom and my dad taking us to, to games, watching my brother get recruited and all that. So um, such an awesome university. Just so thankful to have had the time to, to go through the university and to, to have been recruited and coached by, you know, the people that was able to, to be coached by and um, have a lot of lifelong friendships with, with guys there um, that I still see and go to church with even, even today. Uh, but yeah, my brother and my dad and I, we, we help people buy and sell land. Uh, you can reach us at, at uh, Shipley, shipleyranches.com. We have an Instagram page um, that a lot of our stuff is posted on. It's Shipley at Shipley Ranches. Um, you know, one of the things that we do is we try to put a, a really big emphasis on the visuals. So we're helping people sell land, making sure that the land is is um, we're highlighting the very best aspects of that. And we're getting it out to the right people. We have a, a large network having been through the University of Texas program and uh, being able to get the, the right stuff in front of the right people. is Something I think is very important. And uh, we are from Texas, Texas, born and raised and Texas is where we do business and Texas is uh, where we build relationships. And so um, if anybody's, you know, looking to either buy or sell, we would love nothing more than to help you do that. Jackson, thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you guys. We appreciate Welcome. you coming on. <laughs> yes, Welcome, sir. Buddy. All right. See y'all later. Later. Tell your dad, hey. <laughs> oh, Jerry's, Jerry's are muted. <laughs> All right. So I've been battling uh, congestion. Blake set that interview up. So thank you, Blake. That was awesome, man. That was Jackson, man. I tell you, the the best high school game I ever saw was actually Jackson, Jackson and Case McCoy battling it out in the playoffs, and they could not stop Jackson. I mean, they put triple coverage on him, and he it did not matter, you know. So it was awesome. Known him a long time. Good, good, good guy for sure. So thanks, thanks one more time for coming on. All right, guys. Well, let's get back to some questions. Uh, and that was also funny with Bob coming on there. And I love him a that. Crap. That was. Awesome. I, hey, if y'all know Bob very well, that's kind of his sense of humor. By the way, that's 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 who he is. It was interesting. Hey, when the when he was talking about David Ash, Jerry, when you asked about that, um, I remember Steve Warren uh, and Bob Shipley will remember Steve as well. Old head coach at Abilene High, they played um, Belton down in San Antonio, I think. Yeah. Uh, at a one of those Dave Campbell's preseason games that they used to have in the Alamo Dome. Um, and Steve Warren said he thought David Ash had a little something special to him yeah. back in the day. He really liked how he threw the ball. So that was a, that was an interesting sidebar. And that's when I knew, Hey, David Ash may be a little bit better than, than some people are thinking going right. in. Right. No doubt. Okay, guys. Shavan Patel ah. says, how much will Cam Williams play this year? That's a great question. So, I, look, when the depth chart comes out Monday, right, um, Cam Williams will probably be – he'll be the number two at right tackle. Will he be the number two with an or with Trevor Goosby at left tackle or will Goosby be the number two at left tackle? We'll see. Uh, but I think headed into games, 
uh, the season right now. Cam Williams is your backup right and left tackle, right? Uh, that he's worked there. He works at right tackle the majority of the time. He works at left tackle at least one day a week. Um, he Cam has been out a little. He's had a little illness this week. So Trevor Goosby got all the number twos uh, reps uh, for the majority of this week at left tackle and is doing very well from what I hear. But Cam Williams is going to play a lot. He's going to be in the rotation as the third tackle. Uh, this is the year that he really gets prepared to take over probably as a starting right tackle next season. Okay, we got a super chat here, guys, from Vandaliza18. And he says, over, under, percentage of offensive snaps from these personnel groups, 11 to 40%, 12 to 40%, empty 20%. So 11 personnel, 12 personnel. I haven't thought thought about that to break it down. Um, I would say – I would say that's somewhat – it's got to be somewhat accurate, Bobby. I mean, you you know – my th- I don't think empty 20%. Yeah. Um, that would be, I bet it's more like 50, 55, 40. Yeah. 40, and then something like five to 10. That would be, if that makes sense. I was talking about that. The Dallas, by the way, I want to say this as we're talking through this. Uh, Jerry and I want to say thank you. I, I was up in Dallas yesterday. Doug Rice, uh, what a what a good, a good guy and a good host for the Dallas, Texas X's. Jerry was down in Galveston County with those guys. Eric was in Houston with the Macomb School and the Houston, Texas X's. Thank you all all, uh, for um, Jerry and I and Eric were all talking about it for creating a atmosphere of unity around the university in different pockets across the state. And also thank you for inviting us to to come speak at those. Uh, Those were all nice and it's great to see people out there. But I just love how people from the university kind of they, they, they kind of come together a little bit. I really enjoyed that. Um, but I would say this on the offensive staffs. I, I mentioned this. I think it's going to be 50, 55% in 11 personnel, um, 35, 40% in 12, and 5 to 10 in empty, even in the motion out uh, type stuff, Vandalizia. Now, now, let's be clear. The one thing I will say about Steve Sarkeesian, if he finds somebody's weak spot and it's 12 personnel, yeah, he's gonna I think he's gonna run 12 person. And, and I want to say this. I think a lot of this is gonna be dictated by how well the offensive line plays in pass protection this year. I know I keep harping on I sound like a broken record, but you know, there's a lot of experience coming back on the offensive line. Now you're working in some really talented guys into that rotation. I think how much better Texas is in pass pro this season could dictate that those percentages a little bit. If Texas is a strong pass protection unit, that gives Sark more flexibility and empty. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, we got some more uh, Super Chats, guys, that we have to knock out. Uh, let's see here. This one from Edmund Lee. He says, Bobby, like you getting excited about the BS from Yo Mac or Yo Mark. What if you try to schedule a non-Texas football live stream with the Bozo the day after Texas beats Texas Tech? Start the hate stampede through the Big 12 next week. Hook them horns. <laughs> um, you know what? I I I don't want to give that guy any more airtime. I I've thought about it, and I and I think he needs to be um, you know muted at, at some level, right? Um, I might try to if, if Texas beats Texas Tech, I may try to get Joey McGuire on though. That would be fun. <laughs> See if he still thinks you know the Big 12 goes through Lubbock <laughs> like he did last year. Okay, guys. This next question from the Green Lantern it says, "Bobby, who was the greatest UT assistant coach of all time, and why?" Jerry, who was the greatest UT recruiting coach, and why? I think this is a great question, Bobby. So mine is is unquestionable. It's, there's not even a doubt about this guy's who I'm going to say. And I think I, I met with a couple guys that played for him. I think, or at least one of them, last night, and that's Mike Campbell, uh, the former longtime defensive uh, coordinator for the University of Texas under Daryl Royal. If I wouldn't mention him, I know at least a half dozen older players that would come and they wouldn't knife me in the back, but they'd slap me on the back of the head, you know, and say, you're wrong. Uh, Almost everybody that I know of that played for him, even if they didn't like him, they didn't like it. They respected the fact of the product that he put out on the field. And that is Mike Campbell, uh, his sons played at Texas, uh, and he was before my time, th- just to be clear. But clearly, I, I think he goes down as in, in Texas football lore as the, the one um, uh, coordinator or assistant coach that everybody on that team or teams respected. Yeah, I, I was going to go with Will Muschamp, uh, but, you know, I don't go as far back. Uh, but I thought Will Muschamp was a yes, real good. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, greatest UT recruiting coach in why? That's OK. That's Mac Brown. I mean, Bobby maybe can talk about Tim Brewster's from assistant standpoint um, and maybe to short choice in the, in the conversation. But right. Mac Brown easily. I, look, I was at two high schools uh, Wednesday in the Golden Triangle area. and. Max recruiting and ability to recruit came up in conversations at both. And one of these coaches um, went to Texas A&M and was a quality control coach at Texas A&M and talked about how good Mac really was. So that's the, that is the, that's tough from, from the A&M perspective, right? For them to talk about how good Mac Brown really was as a recruiter and Look, I, I mean, I tell the same story all the time. And Rod Babers had a great story about Mac, you know. I mean, uh, for those that didn't see that, I believe that was – I don't know what – was that Tuesday night, Bobby? I've lost yeah. track. Um, but, look, I always go back to the Albert Hardy story, which I think it kind of tells you how good Mac Brown really was. Albert and his head coach are driving home from visiting Austin. And I call the head coach, how it go, blah, blah. He said, well, he's committing to Texas. And I said, oh, cool. Well, you know, what made him – pick Texas. He said, he doesn't know. <laughs> I think somebody's a great, great, great recruiter 
<laughs> and they can talk to somebody for 30 minutes and they commit and they don't really even know why. <laughs> I mean, apparently Max sliced and diced Michigan and Oklahoma and everybody without saying a negative word about any program. <laughs> <laughs> in that conversation. That's amazing. So if, you, if you commit to a coach and don't even know why, you're, you're number one for me. <laughs> hey, you know the one thing about Will Muschamp you were mentioning, Jerry? The tenure, the length of tenure, Muschamp wasn't there, I mean, what, four or five, or four years, something like that. Mike Campbell was there, I think, for 15 to 20. Yeah. So exactly. that, that would be part of it, too. No disrespect yeah. to either of them, you know, or to, to any other previous assistant coach at Texas either. I guess we got another super chat here. This one from Colton again. So thank you once again, Colton. He says, would you say the 2023 offensive line is better than the lines Texas had in 08 and 09? How do they compare as it relates to pass protection? Seems Colt always masked some of the O-line deficiencies. We definitely did. He definitely did mask some of them. There is no question. I do think the 08 line was more than – 08 was much better offensive line than 09. 09 was a, a, a uh, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to, those guys made it to the national championship game. So they're obviously talented players and, and did some things, but they weren't, a, a, they, their strength, team strength certainly wasn't the offensive line. We saw what Ndamukong Sue did to Texas in the Big 12 championship game that year. I mean, he was, he was a force of nature as it was, but really outmatched uh, Texas in that one. Um, my my take on it is the 08 one had Tony Hills on it. Yeah. Um, and some other guys that ended up playing in the NFL as well. Uh, this is more like the 08 line, in my opinion. The one thing I would say is this hat this this line a year, year and a half from now has a chance to be a top five offensive line in college football which is more like the 0405 group. So that's where the offensive line is headed versus where it is right now. So they're about a year away in my opinion from being gotcha. an elite college football line. Yeah, totally agree. Hey, I, David Williams has a great question, I think. Yep, I was actually bringing it's it gonna up. It's going to challenge Bobby and I's recruiting brain a little bit here. <laughs> so David says Don McKinley is 7 days from his commitment announcement. If he commits to Texas, then Kobe Black commits after McKinley. Would that be the first time that three five-star recruits committed consecutively to UT? I don't remember. So I think Sims and Corey Redding were the only two five-stars in, in the 99 class, right, Bobby? Um, and those guys committed, pretty, I think, consecutively. Um, because Rod B. wasn't there. They lost out on Jerome Sapp to Notre Dame. Um I don't remember this the 2002 class breakdown there. If who was around Vince, I think most of those guys were already in the boat. So I would say yes, but I'd have to go actually go back and look. Boy, my brain does, doesn't work that way. <laughs> like I don't, you know what I mean? Um, like I, I look at, it's really weird. I kind of look at each recruitment individually and always kind of have as opposed to collectively um, until the end of the campaign if that makes sense. So once they sign, I'm then, then that's uh, but the chronology of it. I, I struggle with, unfortunately, well, David, somebody brought up Blaylock, Vince, Rod, Wright. That's kind of what I was wondering is the 20, the chronological commitments of that 2002 class. I'll go back and see if I can find that. Actually, I might be able to find that. Those are three pretty strong dudes right there. Now. Yes. All played NFL, all won a national championship. Yep. I, you could, you could argue that those three were the backbones of the national championship 
along with the secondary. Blake Barron brought up Hicks and Jeff Coat the same this day was fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a big time day. Uh, let's follow that question up with this one from your GPS, Jerry. Jerry's GPS says, what's the most amount of five stars we've gotten in one year? Oh, man. I'm guessing, what was there four? In Vince's year, probably. Yeah, it was there, there was four or five, depending on the service in that class. I think the number one class in 2002. I can't remember a class with more than that. I mean, last year had four. On three industry ranking, five stars. So then he follows it up with, is this looking like possibly the year to have the most? <laughs> no, no, you can't get me that easy. I've been doing this too long. Um, um, we'll see what happens. Uh, look, I, I, I'm willing to say this. If Texas were to win out for Dominic McKinley next week, then we'll start to have a conversation. That that would be a big one for me. I think we know Texas leads uh, for uh, Kobe Black, and Texas is right there. Uh, for Brandon Baker and Ryan Wingo. So if Dominic McKinley fell Texas way, well, that, that may well, that may be a conversation to have. Oh, somebody mentioned Brian Pickrell, too, in 2002. Good call. Yep. Been on your services. The service, yep. I haven't heard that name in forever. Okay, let's take another question here. And uh, this one from Timmy Alexander. He says, excluding Sark, who has to have the greatest impact from the sideline this year? From the sideline. I'm going I'd, – I'd go PK, Pete Kwiatkowski. Um, you know, a lot of people – look, a lot of people doubt what happened to Texas a little bit last year, the improvement they made year over year from in defense, and a lot of them pinned that improvement specifically on Gary Patterson. Too much so, in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying Gary Patterson didn't have a impact because I think he did the amount of impact he had is what you would question. Right. And so for me, um, I think, I think a lot of eyes on Pete Kwiatkowski um, and uh, he has a defense that should, even with the loss of two guys to the NFL, he should have a better defense this year. Um, he, we just talked about this, Jerry. Um, and one of the things I, I mentioned early, Gavin Holmes is starting to make a move at corner. Jalen Catalan, I mean, I'm just telling you guys, there's a chance that he may be the best player on the team. No much, doubt. Much less the best player on the defense or as good as Kelvin Banks, Jalen Ford, Xavier Worthy, those guys. I mean, he's he's talked about in those realms behind the scenes, just so everybody clear. So you add those two guys. Uh, Alfred Collins is coming on. Ethan Burke is expected to be better than Ovia Gufu was a year ago. Baron Sorrell is better this year. A year of Byron Murphy where people behind the scenes believe Byron Murphy's starting to come on. The defense is, is where I think that while Sark is an offensive coach, there's no doubt about it, and he has more tools at his disposal on offense like we talked talk about just with Jackson there at receivers. The real – the real uh, impact, I think, could be holding teams to 20 points and less. And that might, might allow you to not put Quinn in these situations where he has to, you know, score 38 points a game to win. Uh, I, I want to say something on Baron Sorrell. I happened to be on take a phone call yesterday, and it just kind of sometimes it's how this happens. Somebody, uh, somebody knows somebody else, right? And uh, uh, offensive lineman on the Texas team, 
uh, is, is said that Baron Sorrell's physicality is undervalued and underappreciated, and he is the toughest guy to go up against on a daily basis because of his physicality. So that's something to remember there with Baron Sorrell. I was I would also say not not too long winded because I think Kyle Flood may be on the field this year because you have if you're going to play a rotation of eight and you're going to play in more eleven personnel and there's more pressure on this offensive line. Uh, and I, Kyle Flood's working a rotation this year. If this offensive line plays at a really high level, I don't think there's any question how good Texas is going to be offensively. For sure. Okay, we got a super chat here from D Herring Five. He says, "Do you think Paul Chris has as much influence this year as Patterson last year?" Let's see about the run game. I'm really intrigued, uh, Blake. What they do about the run game this year. If the run game uh, is tweaked just a little bit, right? Not not a ton, but just a little bit. I think it would be very very interesting. Okay, Jerry. This next one is for you. Jose Rodriguez says, "Jerry, how good is Brandon Baker? Could he replace Kelvin Banks and not lose a step?" I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, so Brandon Baker is more of a right. He's a right tackle recruit. Um, that is what he's going to play more than like, I'm not saying there's no chance he plays left tackle, but I, he's more of a right tackle. Um, so I, I don't think that would be if, if Brandon Baker picks Texas over Oregon, Ohio state, Nebraska, eventually in late September, October, I don't think left tackle is, is, is likely where he's going to be. It's right tackle. I think left tackle after Kelvin Banks, he's got two more years left and he's out the door. That's going to come down to Cam Williams, uh, and, and Trevor Gooseby. Okay, guys, we have another super chat we need to get to. And it's from Justin Yarbrough. He says, Jerry, it's game day. I have TC over Friendswood, 27 to 20. Seen some clips from the last scrimmage for TC. And Coach Anderson has them looking pretty good on defense. Great hey, job Justin, as always, guys. Hook them. Hey, Justin, you just stepped in it. Friendswood freshman team, 32, Texas City 12 last night. So you're already 0-1 this week, but best of luck tonight. Uh, but no, for real – I, I had a feeling this question may be coming. Um, but, uh, look, Texas City's running back. He probably doesn't have the speed to be a, a big-time recruit, but he is powerful. He is hard to tackle on the high school level. He's a really good player. Texas City also is an edge kid um, that's being under-recruited that I think is a really good player. He may be – they may have a couple of guys at Texas City that – end up G5 and end up portaling up in a couple of years. They have some good players over there. It'll be interesting. Friendswood's first game with the new head coach. He was the offensive coordinator at Guyer last year. Um, he doesn't have quite that talent level, so see, we'll see what he does from a game plan perspective. I got a question for you guys. Wait one second. I want to go down the top five teams uh, preseason in 6A real quick. Yep. Duncanville plays uh, Oak Cliff today, Jerry. Mm-hmm. We expect Duncanville to, to win that. Oh yeah. Big. Big. <laughs> okay. Two two state champions, right? Yes. So DeSoto goes to Allen. That's so, interesting. Uh, Allen's got new OC, O-line coach, um, quarterback's gone. DeSoto lost a lot off that team last year. I'm still gonna I'm gonna go with DeSoto because I think DeSoto has a little chip on their shoulder because Duncanville gets all the love right now. Yeah, I think the Soto wins that one by two touchdowns or more. All right, here's one. North Shore 
at the Woodlands. Yeah, so new look, John Kay went to Rice. He's the linebackers coach. I mean, he did an unbelievable job from a disciplinary standpoint in leading that program on a day-to-day basis at North Shore. They stayed in-house. Offensive coordinator got the job. Great dude. Played wide receiver at University of Houston. D coordinator's back. Great guy, Coach Cross. Um, big thing for North Shore is, is, is the quarterback coming off the ACL. If he's the same guy he was – before the injury, see, I think North Shore would have won state again last year if he had stayed healthy. So I'll go with North Shore over the Woodlands. But I think the Woodlands has – I think they have better skill guys maybe than in recent years. But I, I like North Shore. Geyer playing Rockwall Heath. Geyer lost a lot. Eli Bowen did commit to uh, Oklahoma last night, by the way. Um, they lost a lot. Quarterback, Peyton Bowen, great player. Um, they have some good players. Um they, they have some good players coming back on the lines of scrimmage, some good young talent. I don't know enough about Heath on this one to make a pick, guys. I don't know if Blake has done, studied up on Heath. So they should be a, a pretty decent team this year, I think. Uh, but I, I want to say Geyer is like number four in the state. Yeah. And uh, I don't – and that's another one that I think may be close at first, and then Geyer runs away with it. Hey, the fifth-ranked team – uh, going into the season, guys, is a Tascacita down in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. They uh, are going to Dickinson. That's a good talent matchup right there. That's a lot of talent on the field at one time. But a Tascacita has more, right, Jerry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may actually be at that game tonight. I haven't decided exactly where I'm going. I'm, I'm having some uh, – I'm, I'm flipping coins in about two hours, I think. Uh, <laughs> but Dickinson has some talent. But I, I'll take a Tascacita. Tascacita got up on them last year. Um, I think Craig Stump has one of his better teams this year. Um, so I, I like a Tascacita by 14, 17, maybe even three touchdowns. And that's not, hey, sorry if anybody from Dickinson's on the chat, but uh, but that well, the reason I'm thinking about going to that game, guys, Nate Kibble, Texas commitment at, at offensive guard. Tyler Thomas, the junior offensive tackle at Dickinson. I mean, he's at the – him and Fasusu, the top of the board now in 2025 at offensive tackle for Texas. So And Dickinson has some young dudes, all the kids that used to be at Lamarck, or now at Dickinson, guys. Hey, one thing I want to say, this is an interesting schedule. If you look at Atascacitas, I just noticed it. They play mm-hmm. Dickinson this weekend. Then they play versus Katie. Yes. Okay, you know they're, Gary Jones is going to have those guys ready, right? Then they're going and playing East St. Louis. I don't know if I've ever heard of it. East St. Louis up, up in um, Missouri come down and play, or Illinois come down yeah. and play in the state of Texas. No, that's, that's first for me. Yeah, They're a highly talented team. Yes. Highly talented team. have had multiple NFL players run through there. So, yeah. That's an interesting schedule. It's a heck of a non-district. Yeah, yeah. then they get a uh, North the Shore. In could in the SEC. Uh, they play too many people in the uh, non-conference. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't learn that from A&M Mm-mm. when he was at A&M because I, I think Sam Houston State's calling. Oh Texas man! Who are, who's A&M playing non-conference this year, guys? Is there a Division One team in there? I can't remember. I'm sure Miami. there is. Miami. Oh, are yeah. they playing Miami again? Hey, somebody well, asked you about State somebody is asked, technically Division One. Somebody asked about the Here's the here. Oh, hey, I think they're almost all. Wait, no. What do they got here, guys? non-conference this year so they got new mexico they're at miami right yeah so they host new mexico they go at miami 
Yeah. They host uh, Louisiana Monroe and the app. Look at the November 18th game. They've got a they've got a tough one if it were oh. basketball. Abilene Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like AM versus Abilene Christian in November when Abilene Christian's probably down 10 starters from a trip. I guess Tarleton was busy. Chaka <laughs> <laughs> should have tried Tarleton instead of Abilene Christian. Um, <laughs> hey, somebody asked about the shirt. It's bird dogs. Yeah. Bird dog shirt. Yeah, great shirt, man. I'm telling you, the bird dog shorts have become my favorite shorts immediately. Yep. Immediately. <laughs> I I've worn them back to back days. I wore them at, uh, to uh, to the speaking uh, deal yesterday, and I'll probably be wearing them in the high school football game tonight. I'm, I'm wearing a pair right now. All right, guys, we got a couple of super chats we need to get to. Again, Brandon Huey says, Do you think Broughton has the same potential as Collins? I hear he's coming along. He has he underperformed in y'all's opinion? Do you see a lot of similarities in him and Alfred with inconsistency? I don't think he has the upside of Alfred Collins. Agree. Um, he's not as long armed. He doesn't have the base. Uh, uh, he, he's a Vernon's a little top heavy, if that makes sense. Like his build, and so Alfred's a thick all the way through, um, and a little bit quicker in my my uh, estimation. I don't know that I see a lot of similarities there. Um, I think Alfred's an NFL player prospect. I think Vernon is just trying to get into the rotation. Um, that being said, I think Vernon has some pass rush ability. It's against the run where he really get, has been got, he's, he's been washed out at times and causing problems on the second level uh, because he's been washed out so much. So I, I don't know about that. I, I don't feel like they're in the same category even though I know Steve Sarkeesian's spoken highly of, of Vernon uh, as a player, I, I still think that that's a, that's a circle that one right now. Okay, then this next super chat is from Football Junkie, and he says, what's the ceiling for Hill and Muhammad? Another site posted that Hill's the real deal and will be a weapon this year. What's y'all thoughts? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think the ceiling for Anthony Hill, it, it look, this is what I said about him as a high school player, kind of watching, evaluating him. If he proves he can play in coverage in space, which I think that's the thing he had to work on and prove uh, at the next level, he has first, second round draft ability. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He's he's too good playing downhill, uh, at being able to rush off the edge, being able to play uh, in traffic and, and, and get through the trash. And he has a nose for the football Whatever his 40 time is, he runs, he plays faster than that. He is an instinctive linebacker playing downhill. So if he proves he can play in coverage as well, his NFL draft abilities is about where you would want it is Anthony Hill. Uh, Muhammad, look, Muhammad is a, you know, Rod Babers kind of talked about that. Um, he's a technician. Uh, Rod went back and watched Manny's high school senior tape and said he was a technician. I think what Manny's done so far, we got, we got to see what happens in the games, right? He's proven he can. he's a playmaker, Bobby. When you're creating turnovers and multiple scrimmages before you ever play a game as a freshman, that takes you to another level. There's something to be said for guys who just make plays. And his ability to play physical and put his hat on the ball, I think, has gone past the expectations of the Texas staff and any of us that evaluated him in high school. Think of two, two games last year. Think of... Iowa State, Texas caused a turnover. Think of Kansas State, Texas caused a turnover. 
turnovers, players make turnovers. Yep. That is that that is the big, big piece. And that's why a guy like Manny Muhammad is, is really big. I'm gonna add in, and that's why everybody loves Jalen Catalan. Yeah. Um, just so everybody understands. As far as Anthony Hill, I you know, I I you said another site posted. I I don't know, I don't read others, but we've been posting Anthony Hill literally since the first week of spring practice. He made a mark within the first week. And I remember getting the information and writing about it. And I don't think he stopped. The one thing that I will say is that he's showing some adaptability from my understanding and what I'm hearing. And he's, he's not just able to be a one stop guy, like a, a go forward guy. I think he's learning to be a linebacker. I think he um, excels right now in being a, a rush guy, that sort of guy. But long term, he's showing the capacity to be a, a full on linebacker. Okay, I'm gonna take this next question real quick from Champ Bailey. Three he says, "How high should I draft Bijan in my fantasy league?" Falcons run the ball more than any other NFL team first round, unless you think you can get him in the second. But don't forget to go play fantasy at prizepicks.com and use promo code on Texas. Uh, hey, I question for you there, Blake. You, I, I got to say this because I told some folks yesterday, you went out to see the Cowboys practice uh, yes. with your son. You took him out yesterday. You were a little disappointed. Tell people what happened because I felt sorry for, not for you so much because I, I think adults can handle it, but your son, who's 11. Yeah, so practice is, is a word I would use lightly. Uh, we, we went, we showed up, got there about 30 minutes early at the Star in Frisco, and they, they come out, and they're warming up. Well, they, they keep on just warming up for like 45 minutes. So that was the majority of the practice. But then the second half was uh, punting situations, but pretend punting. We didn't even get to see, like, the you know, hang time. We didn't get to see it. I, I was livid. Uh, by the time it took longer to drive the Frisco from Comanche than they practiced, and I, so I was not happy. My son was very disappointed. Needless to say, now I had to make some promises, and we'll, we'll be attending Cowboys games and Texas games in the near future to make it up to him. So. I was going to ask, what? Hey, what made the drive home better? Do you have to get what is his go to? Is it ice cream? Is it like a shaved ice? Did you have to get him something to kind of uh, get him back on track? Yeah. So, so he gets on his phone. Opens up Google and is looking for sports card shops around where we were. Wow. So, so we find one like two miles down the road. I take him and uh, he finds this box and it's like, you don't know what you're getting in, in said box. You pay $25, $35. So I was like, yeah, we'll get it. We're probably going to get some player that you've never heard of. But, you know, if this is what you want, that's fine. Opens up the box in the car. It's a Kevin Durant jersey card that has a piece of his jersey from the all-star game awesome. in it and i was and so he was like i'm not worried about the cowboys anymore <laughs> so he was good after that man hey hey tavondre sweat i thought the funniest thing in his press conference the other day by the way was he's a huge kevin durant fan and part of the reason that he came to texas was because of kd it's always interesting the things you learned that maybe you don't know. And then after the recruiting process is over, these guys talk about. So if anybody can hook him up with KD before he leaves the 40, I mean, we, I actually sent a note to uh, Texas basketball about that. We'll see what happens. Hey, by the way, I want to answer one, but I know we got a bunch of super chats to get to. Emmanuel Villafranco asked, um, 
like Jerry mentioned, CJ and the vision carrying over. What has to carry over for other top freshmen? Bobby, for me, I think it's a great question. With Anthony Hill, I think it's his eyes, right? The athleticism's there. Um, it, it, Malik Muhammad, the same thing. It, it's playing with your eyes. Herm Edwards, when he coached, and people can make Herm Edwards jokes, but guy's really good. Herm Edwards at the Under Armour game, when he used to have – have meetings with the defensive players. He said, nothing's more important than your eyes in this game playing defense. And and, and that's always something that stuck with me because I think he's correct. Um, so I think for the defensive guys, look, Nathan O'Neill talks about it with young defensive linemen on contact, they drop their eyes. They have to learn to on contact to keep their head and their eyes up. Uh, so eyes are not often talked about, but crucial. Hey, before we go to the next one, I want to get this one. This is a former Longhorn, Courtney Garcia. What are your thoughts, Jerry, on where we stand with Zion Williams, the big defensive lineman from Lufkin, going into the 2023 season? Hook them and go pack. I guess that's the Panthers, huh? Yeah, uh, Justin Wells will be at that game tonight. So, uh, Courtney Garcia Jr., track him down. Uh, but Justin and I were talking about that a couple days ago, and Texas is very much in the mix for Zion Williams. He's think he's considering – uh, the transportation could be an issue considering getting out to the Rice game on the second. Texas is going to get him to a game this season. Uh, but Texas, TCU, obviously, Jamarcus McFarland being up at TCU, former Lufkin defensive lineman. They're in at Oklahoma, LSU, and then all, all your teams are in there uh, on Zion Williams. But Texas has a legitimate chance from what we're hearing right now. All right, guys. Jerry, as you said, we got some super chats we need to knock out uh, before the end of the show. So let's start here with this one from Boone Naren. And he says, Bobby, it was great to meet you at the Dallas Texas Exodus event last night. You got a firsthand look at how we roll in Big D. It was 105 degrees, and there were at least 100 people out there. I, 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 Jerry, I don't know if you sensed this in Galveston. The excitement around Texas football right now is palpable. Yes. Like you can tell people are starting to understand we've got quarterbacks. We've got better players. We got a coach that knows how to do it on offense. Um, they went from five and seven to eight and five. They're going into the SEC. The Kevin Eltife said it, you know, they're getting the BBs back in the box. Um, it was, uh, no, Boone, it was so nice to meet not just you, but a lot of guys in Dallas are just huge Longhorn fans. And uh, women, too, it was fun. Uh, we had a great time last night. Boone, nice to meet you, man. All right, this next one is from Ulysses Luan, Lujan. Five, uh, he says, Devondre Sweat said Alfred Call is, isn't doing anything special but getting opportunities. So is the AC hype real? Yeah, so uh, I want to. Yeah, I'm glad we're addressing that. So I bring up Nathan O'Neill, the D line instructor, all the time. Uh, that you know has a bunch of NFL guys. Worked at Bosa's Clowney, all these guys in the draft last year. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, getting them ready for the draft. He worked with Keandre Coburn for draft prep. Um, he's worked with Alfred and Byron Collins, and 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 his opinion is Bobby. You were on the phone call. We talked about it. What Alfred's doing that's a change this year is he's getting vertical quicker instead of choppier feet. And if that guy with that talent level, that arm length gets vertical quicker, he creates issues uh, for the offensive lineman because he can cross their face quickly 
And with that length, he becomes a much different player as long as he's getting vertical quicker from a technical standpoint. All right. And Trevor Collins with the Super Chat says, new clock rule, does it benefit us for holding late leads? I think it benefits whoever for holding late leads. Uh, but uh, yeah. to Trevor's point, uh, maybe Texas and Steve Sarkeesian have been better in the first half than they have been in the second. I, I tried to mention this yesterday uh, and talked to some people. And and I think it's important that Sark is a good play caller and he schemes up great. His script out of the, out of the gate is usually pretty good. Second half, the defense makes adjustments. It's not so much that Steve Sarkeesian can't make adjustments. It's been his quarterbacks that couldn't. Think about that. Casey Thompson, first-year starter. Hudson Card would have been a first-year starter. Quinn Ewers, first-year starter. Defense, those are all defenses they're seeing for the first time. And if those guys can't, you know, audible to the right play, if they can't get to the hot read, it's not Steve Sarkeesian necessarily that can't make the schematic change. He's seen it before. He's a 30-year coach. He's done it. It's the players themselves that have to step up and be able to do those things. Okay. And then Bobby, while uh, we have you on here, he's Casey Lane says it's rarely, it rarely gets talked about on here, but what's the latest on one fund is everything on schedule in terms of fund generation, or is it ahead of planning? You know, I actually talked to the head of uh, that organization last night um, uh, or texted with him rather uh, The everything is on target, but they are actively seeking uh, monthly donations uh, and it can be big, small, medium, whatever you want to do. Uh, go to TexasOneFund.org. You can donate as little as $5 a month. Uh, and it all goes into a fund that supports players' NIL activities. Uh, I think next week, for example, they've got a signing at the co-op that they're doing for free as part of a larger donation uh, to the entire university. So I think a group of players, Kelvin Banks will be there. I'll, I'll talk about that more next week because – uh, we're doing some stuff with the co-op as well. But the One Fund is a great organization that's trying to get Texas football players and really athletes in general out in the Austin community doing good works. They work for with mobile loaves and fishes, which is helping the indigent, uh, you know, feed the indigent. They've been at Dell Children's Hospital. I saw Cam Williams, the big offensive lineman from Duncanville, give a kid that has cancer a necklace and let him keep it. I mean, the, guy, the, the guys are doing the right things. One Fund is a great organization. Uh, TexasOneFund.org. Uh, Casey. Okay, guys, we got two more Super Chats here, then we better wrap it up. Uh, Brandon Huey asks, fourth down on the 10-yard line, seven seconds left in Tuscaloosa. Who are you throwing to, Worthy or Mitchell or JT across the middle? I'd go JT. Because you're likely to get a linebacker on him. I'm going A.D. Mitchell because he's caught a touchdown in every playoff game and <laughs> national title game he's ever played in. And that'll feel like it. Pretty clutch. <laughs> and that will feel like it. Yes, it will. <laughs> okay. And then our last one, guys, from Vandaliza18. He says, if you were to grade pass protection and run block capabilities for Texas offensive line unit this season – what can fans realistically expect on a scale from one to 10? Example, seven slash five above average pass blocking, middle of the road run blocking. Great question. 
Bobby. Um, pass blocking, I would be a six. Yeah. Run blocking, seven and a half. I agree. I don't think they're going to be a great – even though they return everybody, I don't think they're going to be a great offensive line. I think they'll be a top 25 offensive line unit. Next year, I think they have a chance to be a top five offensive line unit. So, you know, that's kind of my thinking right now. When you get DJ Campbell a year's experience, when Neto Umiozulu has a year's experience, when Kelvin Banks is a third-year starter, when Cam Williams has more seasoning under his belt. That, that's, that's where I come out. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. We want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thank all of our Super Chats as well. And we want to thank Jack, Jackson Shipley for joining us. That was awesome for him to take time out. Uh, and Monday, we'll have a couple more special guests. Oh, as boy. We- Game week. Let's do it. (laughs) Game week. Bringing out the big dogs for sure. So don't miss that on Monday morning. It'll be a great start to your week. Bobby, real quick before we go, why don't you tell everybody the schedule for the rest of today and the weekend on On Texas Football? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Later today, we have our uh, weekly uh, chat with uh, Ian Boyd, uh, Jerry Hamilton, and myself. I'm not going to be there. Justin Wells is stepping in for me. I've got to take my daughter to college today. So I'm dropping her off. Uh, but uh, Justin Wells sit in for me. Uh, Jerry and Ian Boyd will also be there at one o'clock. Uh, so join us. Uh, if there's any updates from Steve Sarkeesian, media availabilities, et cetera, we will have some notes and news on that as well. Plus, uh, probably a little look forward to some more high school football games. Uh, we forgot to mention this guy's going out. Aaron Hampton caught a 52-yard touchdown yep. pass uh, last night for Dangerfield and their win uh, over uh, uh, what's the uh, Blade Water? Blade Water, the other East Texas. Yep, yep. All right, uh, Jerry, good seeing you, bud. Blake, thank you so much, man. Uh, hope everybody keeps enjoying coffee and football as much as we are. That's right. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would appreciate it. Ring the bell so you can get notified on when we post new videos. And then head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest in Longhorn coverage. And for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time.